0: Good morning, church. I think. Good. That's what I need to hear. Okay. Um, This morning's message is going to be a little different. I will be honest with you that when you preach, you're supposed to have X, Y, and Z. You're supposed to have a sermon text and have to, you know, have your ducks lined up in a row, so to speak. Um, But what I'm going to share with you this morning, what I'm going to be speaking on this morning is bold, persistent prayer. Each year, you know, the elders at the beginning of the year, we get together, we pray, we seek the Lord for what is on his heart as far as goals and objectives for the coming year. So in the year 2020, bold, persistent prayer was one of those objectives. That was one of the resources, one of the tools. We're going into the year 2021, and guess what? Bold, persistent prayer is on that list again. An important thing, not just a, one of several items, it's, it's a tool, and there were other objectives that are listed for, for this year, and prayer being one of the tools uh, in which to accomplish the goals set for this year. So let me begin this morning by asking you a question. When I mention, or when I say bold, persistent prayer, where does that take you in your thinking? What comes to your mind when I talk about those words, bold, persistent prayer? And there are no right or wrong answers, by the way, okay? You're not going to have to stay after school or anything like that. It's... uh... And if you don't have any... uh, If you're too bashful to raise your hand or whatever, speak out, then I'll I'll just give you what happened as I prepared for this message here. So yeah, Dan. Just just thinking that the enemy is attacking Dan Kennedy and that we need to be more bold and persistent and saying, God, stop these attacks. Mm-hmm. That's good, that's true. And that's very valid. So this morning as I I knew the Lord had put, put it on my heart to speak to this thing of bold, persistent prayer, this point, if you will. And so I started in my thinking, think, uh, well, these were the thoughts that came to my mind. I thought about Moses on Mount Sinai, where he's standing before God, and God's telling him, get out of the way. You know, I'm going to make of you a new nation. And God tells Moses, no, I'm not going to get out of the way. And I thought about Abraham. I thought about Abraham and his interceding before God, uh, for the righteous, that Sodom and Gomorrah would, not, would be spared because of the righteous. And he started with 50 and you know, the number whittled down. So I was thinking along those lines of intercession and, and persevering and standing in the way and standing in the gap and those kinds of things. And then my thoughts went into the direction of, well, a bold, persistent prayer. There is somebody in dire straits. There's a, there's a crisis going on that somebody needs God's intervention right now. And that's true, and that's valid, and that's important. And those are where, the, where I was going with my thoughts. And then all of a sudden, God poses this question to me. And he says, what if? Uh-oh, here's a what if. So he says, what if you sought my face daily with that intentionality, with that passion, with that persistence? as if there were no crisis. Now, let me be quick to say, I am not saying that to the exclusion of these other things. I am not saying that presenting our needs to God and praying for others and those kinds of things are not important. They are. And I am not pitting one against the other. But what I am saying is at the very top of the list, at the very head of the list, when Jesus was praying and he was finished and his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And the very thing that he puts at the top of the list and he says, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven. I dare ask the question what would happen if the only time your son or daughter came to you is when there was a crisis? There's a a lot of relationship that leaves a little bit to be desired. And that drastically changes the dynamic of the relationship. And so what God put on my heart is that first of all, and I thought this was really important. He made it very clear to me. We're going to take some time at the end of this message to do what we didn't do three weeks ago when we had a prophetic word that talked about beholding the Lord and the beauty of the Lord. And we kind of missed that. But God said, today's another opportunity. Today's another chance. He's a God of second chances. I'm so glad of that. What would happen? He would have every right to do that, to say, you had your chance, you missed it. I'll be the first one to say that, honestly, there are times when I am slow on the uptake with God. He's got to repeat himself. But I'm so thankful for that, that he is the God of second chances and that there's another opportunity. So today, we're going to seize that opportunity and we're going to do that very thing. Sometimes when we get a prophetic word, yeah, okay, it may be for a defining moment. But there are other times where God gives a prophetic word and it's like, you can take that, you can run with it, you can build on it, you can let it change you, you can let it put you on a different trajectory, you can let it affect the outcome, you can let it have its sway in you, so to speak, going forward to grow and mature. So, the first And greatest commandment. What is it? I mean, that's everything, right? There is nothing that is left out. That means we're all in. That's the first commandment. If we don't do that, if we don't grasp how powerful and important that is, we we can pray for the other things. We can pray for our county. We can pray for people and eat, that's great. But we hamstring ourselves. We put ourselves at a disadvantage. Prayer, first and foremost, is relational, not transactional. But when we do the praying and it is relational, guess what? Between God and me, or you and Him in your prayer closet, transactions do take place but it's not a thing of just merely transactions I, I have to here's a moment of confession there has been a time when, I, saw, when I, I would pray Father I come to you through Jesus Christ the way the truth and the life And my, I kind of presented it like my uh, credit card. Here's my pass, I'm going in. But But the idea being that when Jesus said that, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is a person who was there along with the Holy Spirit, along with Father God. They're all there. We're all there together in a huddle, in a meeting, and sitting down at the table together. He escorts me in to the presence of the Father. And I think that is just such a powerful thing because in the bold, persistent prayer That word bold means to come without fear, without reservation. It means to be free of speech, with confidence. So when in in a good way, you can tell God what you really think. And we do that. We do that in worship. We do that in prayer. But I believe what he also wants us to do, I don't want I don't want to make this sound bad. He wants us to give him a dose of his own medicine. You know, we love because he first loved us. So if he loves us so much that he took the initiative in our behalf by giving his son to die on the cross, to take the wrath of God, to break the power of sin, to give us a new nature that wants to do right, and please God. It's not, prayer is not, you have to, you need to, you should. It's want and desire. And in the want and desire that we respond back to Him with that love. So the Father taking the initiative. Secondly, the Holy Spirit, Him giving us the Holy Spirit, shedding abroad in our hearts the love of God. I am so thankful for the Holy Spirit because He's the one that comes alongside. He's the one that brings scriptures to our remembrance. He's the one that guides us into all truth, including how long, how strong, how powerful, how deep, wide is God's love. And of course, Jesus. He wants them collectively to enjoy his presence. And he wants to enjoy our presence. Enjoy. Not put up with. Not just going through a formality. No. It's it's being intentional, purposeful, not settling for less, finding him. Now besides today, I'm... I'm telling you there's going to probably be another message or two on this. I cannot encompass all well what about this what about that or the other pertaining to prayer but at the top of the list today to love on God to love Him with all our heart soul, mind and strength to speak freely openly what He has poured into us to pour back to Him. And in uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16, there it talks about, Paul is writing and says, For we have not received again a spirit of fear again to bondage, but we have received a spirit of adoption, whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. Not a formality, Daddy. Now, I don't know what you're your earthly father was like, I can tell you what my dad was not a good example. But God makes up for that. And the spirit, it says, whereby but that Holy Spirit, that new nature, we cry, dad, And that should open up all kinds of different realms in our thinking and a mindset that this is dad, the creator of the universe. Sometimes we have the idea and we take things for granted. How many times has God said on Sunday, I love you, I love you, I love you. It would be very tempting and very easy to sit there and say, been there, done that. No, if we do, we we miss out. There is a reason and he says it and he is not bashful to say it and he wants to say it because we need to hear it and he wants to demonstrate it. And back and vice versa. If all I do in my prayer is bring my shopping cart into God and say fill it. That's not a very good picture of a prayer life or a relationship with him. So I tried, honestly, I tried looking for a verse. Okay, God, let me find a verse that has bold, persistent prayer in it somewhere. So I have it, so I have it down so I can help get my ducks lined up. It didn't happen. Oh, I could, find word, I could find scriptures that talk about bold. We have boldness, and that's important. That's good. And I could share with you the, the, uh, the, the opening verse in Luke, Luke 18 about the persistent widow. That men ought always to pray and not lose heart. I guess I could do that. I just wasn't satisfied with that. So, but collectively, when you start to look at these different things, those elements are there. And, and one of the things that I would just want to say to you uh, as an example is, is Moses. So, Moses, in uh, Exodus 33, very familiar chapter. Exodus and Moses, uh, Exodus 33. Moses is having a conversation with God. And, you know, God has promised to take the children of Israel into the promised land. He wants them to remember the whole journey. Israel sins God tells him, "Get out of the way." He doesn't get out of the way. But I think, in part, I believe in part, that uh, very insightful. In uh, in that chapter, there's there's a couple different things that are that are really good. Before he has this conversation uh, with God, there there are several things going on. God God tells Moses that, hey, Israel sinned and uh, get out of the way, I'm going to destroy him. Moses, in in verse 7, says Moses took his tent. Look who's doing the, the intentionality here. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from camp. And called it the tabernacle of meeting. He was focused. He had something on his mind. He was not going to be distracted. He's the one who called it the tabernacle of meeting. It seems to me that somewhere it says in Jeremiah 29, when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. So I just think that is really a... A neat verse there. He takes that tent. This is what he calls it. I'm going to pitch it and I am not going to move. I am not going to move. As a matter of fact, the person he's mentoring is so captured by the transactions, by by Moses meeting with God, I should say. Joshua. It says Joshua went in, didn't come out. What does that say? I wish... Boy, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall there. Joshua going in, but he didn't come out. And that's the heart in in the message today that God is inviting us, wants us to, to climb up on his lap and love on him. So later on in that verse, and I'm sorry, later on in that chapter, God says, You know, Moses, go ahead and go. I promised you the, pro- the promised land. I am going to keep my word. I'll send an angel to go in my place. He'll be with you, he'll drive out the enemy, he'll do the things that I would, said I would do. And what is so after hearing all these previous things about the promises and the promised land and God going before us and then this, Moses said, No way! No way! If you don't go, I don't go. That's a pretty bold statement. God could have said, fine, Moses, that's the way you want it. But there's another thing in that verse, in that chapter, that I want to put out to you that's used several different other places. It says that God met with Moses face-to-face, As a friend. What was one of the things that was ascribed to Abraham? Friend of God. In the New Testament, in John 15, there's a verse that says, I no longer call you servants. What does he call us? Yes, friends. Why? Because he wants to make known to us what his plans are. And I think in part of those plannings is how much he loves us and he wants to communicate that to us. So I, it's just a very insightful chapter, that chapter 33, that, that God and Moses are able to have this kind of exchange, this dynamic, this kind of prayer, if you will, So when the disciples, so just some other examples here of that. So when when the disciples ask Jesus to pray, first and foremost at the top of the list, he and he unfolds and un, and starts to share with them the Lord's Prayer, and the words, "Our Father who art in heaven." But let me, let me just say one other point in terms of the prayer that I think is extremely important. In John 6, verse 37, Jesus makes a statement that all those that the Father gives to me, all those who come to me, I will in no wise cast out. He doesn't roll his eyes. He doesn't say, oh, you again. He, does, he doesn't say, What is it now? But it's, it's the idea that he wants to enjoy our presence and vice versa. So I shared with you from, from Exodus there in 33, Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing have I asked, one thing that I desire. One thing, what is it? To dwell in the house of the Lord, to behold his beauty. One thing. David does not mince words. That's the one thing. What happens later on in that psalm? God extends an invitation. He says, seek my face. What is David's response? Your face, Lord, I will seek. He doesn't say seek my hand. He says, seek my face. You know, when when you engage somebody in a conversation, you can tell a lot by their body language. If I'm going to talk to Stephen and I'm, I'm looking at my watcher, and you know, Stephen, I'm running out of time here, or I'm kind of looking off like this. That's not very engaging, is it? No. Your face I will seek. Very deliberate. Psalm 91, towards the end of that psalm, there's, there's two things that happen. There's a statement there that says because you have made the Lord your Most High, your habitation, your dwelling place. When we put God first, when we exalt Him, when we do that, we're saying, God, we." In there's nothing that compares to you. And there are blessings that come from that. But then... The other thing is that God finishes that psalm up. You know, David, he's talking at the beginning, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High, and you know how it talks about divine protection. But at the end, God finishes that psalm up and says, because he has set his love upon me, this is what I'm going to do. I just... The the, the wonder of that. It's worth pausing. I've come to realize that when I pray, one of the very first things that I do is I pause. And I will be very specific here. I pray that from... uh, I, I pray, Father, I come to you through Jesus Christ. Not my doing. The way... The truth and the life. And I pause. I flat out pause. There's a bunch of other things I can say and be, so it would be okay to say, but I pause given the magnitude of what is going on right there. And that I have access. And, you know, in Moses, when he prayed, and he's up there on that mountain, he says, God, show me your ways. He says, show me who you are. And God had his reason for not being, you know, showing him his front and these things. But he said, here's what I will do. I will make a place for you. I will pass by. I will cover you. And you will see my backside. And I will proclaim you will see my goodness. Well, guess what? We might not have been in the cleft of the rock then, but through Jesus Christ, we are covered. We are hidden in him, and we can make those same kinds of desirous statements of him. Show me your glory. Show me who you are. Teach me your ways. Yes, the acts are important, but I want to know your ways. I want to know what's in your head. And guess what? He's given us his Holy Spirit so that we could have the mind of Christ. Just think of how much... Jesus, he spent time with the Father. Morning, noon, or night. Sometimes all night. Jesus, you need your rest. You're not going to be sharp in the morning when you get up. The, The most pressing thing to him was to draw near to his Father. And our example. So... I want to finish here by giving by reading a couple stories here from this book Dirty Glory. If you don't have this book, I would recommend you getting this book because there's there's a lot of there's good testimonies and there's very very good biblical insights here. But this these two stories that I want to share with you really kind of underscore what I've been saying here and so um, this first one that I'm going to read here um, Pete he just finished writing a book he's exhausted he prayed over the book and he says I know exactly what I'm gonna do I'm gonna go down to the pub and I'm going to uh, I'm just gonna hang out there and crash on the couch and uh, I'll take the boys with me so this is This is what he says. We drove to a pub with a large leather couch for me and a playground for the kids. Collapsing into the soft embrace of the sofa, I pointed the boys towards the swings and slides. Go and have fun, I grinned a little too enthusiastically. Play as long as you want. They whooped with excitement and bounded towards the door. One of them ran right on outside to the playground. But our other son paused, watched his brother running to the swings, and then looked back at me quizzically. Slowly, he turned around and walked back into the room as if he'd forgotten something or had something to ask. But instead, he just climbed into my lap, threw his arms around my neck, and said four words, that sucked the air from the room. Daddy, he whispered, looking into my eyes and nodding his head with each syllable to emphasize the point. Daddy, I missed you. While our other son laughed on the slides and swings outside, I sat quietly inside, breathing in time with the little man in my arms. He didn't become any more my son at that moment just because he preferred me to the playground. I didn't start loving him more than our other boy outside on the swings. But his act of unnecessary affection ministered to my father's heart at depths he could never have known. And the Bible says that this is precisely the opportunity we have in Christian prayer, to minister to the Father's heart with unnecessary acts of deep affection. When we choose God's presence at 3 a.m., He won't love us any more than all the sensible people asleep at home. But our desire to be with Him in those moments is is the sweetest song we will ever sing. And then uh, just one more short story here to kind of, not short story, but a, a paragraph here to, uh, to underscore and make that point again. A prayer room may sometimes become a sort of classroom in which we learn from God. Or it may occasionally become a boardroom for doing business with him, or a war room in which we fight for the extension of his kingdom. But first and foremost, a prayer room is not a classroom, a boardroom, or a wardroom. It's a living room for intimate interaction with the Father. Carol Arnett, who with her husband, John, has spent more than 20 years helping Christians to wait and to soak in God's presence at their church in Toronto, put it like this. There must be time for him just to love him and have him love us. No other agendas, no shopping lists of prayer requests. These may come later, but we need to put loving him first Because only as we are filled with His love do we have love to give away. So this morning, what I want to do right now is is I want to have the prayer, the worship team come forward. And I want us I want us to behold God to enjoy his presence to tell him what you really think from your heart and uh, the Lord, the Lord may uh, use your prayer language. I would invite you to do that. Um, there's a worship song that we have sung from time to time, Forever Rain. And there's a there's a there's a, a line, a sentence in that song where it says, you are more, you are more than my words will ever say. And I just, that is a great opportunity to say, yeah. And here's, and then I just start to use my prayer language. So as we, as we, um, as Debbie will start to play something, um, I just want to invite us. I can't say exactly how this is going to unfold, but I do know that this is what the Lord wants. And just like that little boy climbed up into his daddy's lap and expressed what was in his heart, that we, we love on Father God and minister to His heart. And God may give you a word for the body. God may put an action in your heart between you and Him. But the goal, the objective is to love Him. So Father, we are taking you at your word. We're reminding you of your word. And that in Psalm 27 verse 4 that one thing we ask is to seek your face, to behold your beauty and to dwell in your house all the days, all the days of our life. And so, Father, we take this moment to be intentional, to be purposeful, to to climb up into your lap, to love back on you with the love you've poured into us by, by the Holy Spirit and I pray that you would take these this time, Lord, and guide and direct our thoughts and our actions and whatever you want to bring forth in this time as we behold you. And Lord, I thank you that it, for, the, for who you are, for the wonder of your great love that you undertook and provide for us to make this a reality. In Jesus' name.